Retailers are challenged by an increasing array of payment options, payment services, payment methods, alternative payment methods. And I think payment orchestration is coming in and saying, actually, just integrate with us and we will deal with all the complexity. From my perspective, the more I study it, the more I get to understand what it can do. I think the greater potential I see in orchestration platform, I think it's here to stay. But I do recognise we're still at early stages on the adoption curve. You're listening to Leaders in Payments and Fintech, a podcast brought to you by Edgar Dunn & Company, the global payments and fintech consulting firm. Coming to you from the City of London, I'm your host, Martin Kodrish. And in this series, I'm meeting with leaders and practitioners across the industry to find out what it takes to bridge the gap between strategy and execution. My central question is, how can we commercialize and bring the benefits of ever deeper new technology to market in what continues to be a highly regulated industry? If you enjoy these interviews, please do subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your podcast platform of choice. So enough of the intro, let's get straight into today's episode. Hello and welcome to the EDC podcast. Today we're returning to the topic of payment orchestration, which remains a super important topic for the payments industry with a lot of activity to stay abreast of. I have two fantastic experts with me today to unpick the latest trends in the market. So let's meet them now before we dive into the discussion. First of all, Mark Beresford. Hello, Mark. How are you? Hi, Martin. Colleague of mine from Edgar Dunn. This is your second time on the podcast. So welcome back. And then secondly, Mark McMurtry, who is an Edgar Dunn associate. Welcome, Mark. Thank you. And how are you doing today? It's great. And it's great to be with you today and talking on this important topic. Perfect. Right. So let's kick off the conversation. And Mark, you recently published a detailed guide on the payment orchestration industry. Tell me about that. Yeah, it was a collaborative effort about three years ago, just before the pandemic, working with our North American offices, European offices, we wanted to create a database of payment orchestration providers. And I think that the database, when we first started, it was about five or eight entries in the database. Now there's like 52 over the last three years. And we felt as we worked with uh, luxury brands, hotel groups, airlines, retailers, online retailers, we felt as though that they were asking us questions about, well, how do I evaluate these different payment or orchestration platforms. So we wanted to write a guide and we've put in a lot of our knowledge and expertise into the guide. And so, yes, the guide is there. It's available, downloadable. Well, we'll return to the guide and how the audience can, can access and download the guide later on at the end of the podcast. Let's move on uh, for now. And over to you, Mark uh, M. What are you seeing in the marketplace uh, when you speak to retailers and, and your clients you work with? Well, I'm seeing an increased level of interest in the whole topic of payment orchestration. And that interest is coming from merchants. It's coming from gateways, from acquirers, all the different stakeholders in the merchant payments acceptance. And I think really what they're looking to understand is what is this new technology? What can it offer and what's appropriate you know, for them? Right. Absolutely. So it's become a really important theme. Some might say somewhat hyped. Would you, to what extent would you agree with that, that statement? Well, I think whenever there's a new technology, you know, people, you know, say, is it just a buzzword? Is it just a trend? You know, is it going anywhere? From my perspective is the more I study it, the more I get to understand what it can do. I think the greater potential I see in orchestration platform, I think it's here to stay, but I do recognize we're still at early stages on the adoption curve. Right. Okay. Let's, let's take a step back. Uh, and I always think some, some definition is helpful, right? So what are we actually talking about, Mark? 
Mark B, tell me what's your definition of payment orchestration? Yeah, we've 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 grappled with that for quite a while, and it, it, that that's part of the problem is that you know with so many different providers, there is no definitive. Everyone's definition. struggling with that definition, aren't they? Uh, yeah, totally. And I think there are certain principles that a payment orchestration should be able to do. And we've kind of split it into three areas, uh, checkout, routing of transactions and settlement reporting. So it's those, those three areas. And I think the settlement reporting is, we'll get onto that, into that detail later, but the primary objective mm-hmm. is about simplification. Retailers are, are troubled and, and challenged by an increasing array of payment options payment services, payment methods, alternative payment methods. And I think that's... It's got massively that's, complicated, it's it? really the complexity complicated. has just risen. I, I, I call this the four C's, and the four C's for mine is the choice, the choice of which payment methods yeah. to, you know, consumer wants to use, cost of how much it's going to cost and which option to offer, complexity, because it's getting more and more complex every day, and the fourth C is compliance. You know, the data security standards and the compliance requirements and things. And I think all four of those C's, choice, cost, complexity and compliance, they all apply to orchestration. And that is why, those are the reasons why a lot of people implementing it. Right. And, and Moby, just for those who perhaps don't fully understand the value chain, hmm. where does payment orchestration actually sit? If you could just describe the, the value chain yeah. um, in a, at a high level. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, a good way of describing it is, is almost like a layer between the merchant and all those payment service providers, mm. those alternative forms of payment, those services that, you know, the acquirers, the buy now, pay later providers, the alternative forms of payment, domestic banks, they are, you know, acting as a, it's, it's acting as a layer. It's a but is it, is it from you know, as a merchant? Am I, is that not the same as isn't that the role that a, my gateway provider or my well, merchant acquirer is supposed <laughs> to be fulfilling? Why why do I need? Why is there a need for yet another yeah layer it, as you describe it? Yeah, it's a good it's a good question. And is it introducing another layer of complexity? No, it's not. It's meant to take away that complexity because mm. if over time, as merchants have grown and and gain great geographics reach yeah and we are talking about e-commerce only here at the moment payment payments have become more complicated so there's different integration points with those different service providers right and i think payment orchestration is coming in and saying actually just integrate with us and we will deal with all the complexity so that that is quite an interesting proposition does that make sense to you it it does because But it's not just card payments that are being orchestrated. You know, the orchestration platforms are looking after you know, international card payments, but also the alternative payment methods and new options like buy now, pay later. So it's a range of payment services that are being accepted. The, the other thing I think which is, which is key to really understand is, is from the merchant side, what really is often a key for a merchant is to have, to have some independence and choice of the payment providers and things. And your orchestration platforms gives that agnosticity and independence, so then they improves their negotiating position uh, and also control of the data. That's think, a good point. I think five years ago, you, you people would call it multi-acquiring. Right. It's, again, I mean, I as it's perhaps not a necessarily a new technology. It's been around for years. It's been a luxury, of perhaps larger enterprise merchants who have built some degree of orchestration in house. 
and now it's got a new label. Is, is it is it fair to, or or is yeah. it is there is there something new and revolutionary around this this latest wave of of orchestration providers? Yeah, I don't think it's revolutionary. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think, Mark? But one of the key elements is routing. It's about routing right. transactions yeah. and payments to the to the appropriate people. Yeah. So what's new? Really, it's that routing has got smarter. So it's now smart routing capability rather than just routing. Mm. Now that is one of the things which which has changed. The other thing is to do with in order to be able to improve the user experience. Yeah, you know, customers have got much higher expectations of payments now, and so the the way the payments is is provided and and the the, the systems that are being delivered have to be able to meet those heightened expectations. Mm. And this does need new technology in order to be able to you know, satisfy mm. and provide some of these options. Right, perfect. So that's a great introduction and scene setter, right? So I wanted to suggest that we break up our conversation into three chunks. Next, first of all, let's talk about the merchant perspective. What's in it for the merchants, right? So what is driving the demand? Secondly, let's consider the options. Build, go internally and external, but also building it internally, right? So what's the pros and cons of that build or buy option and then thirdly you know if you were to go out to seek a, a vendor or, or partner with a, a payment orchestration provider you know what's the landscape like so mm -hmm. those are the three topics that i'd like to hit on today and then we obviously can finish off with a wrap up around the, the future what you're expecting and how you think the market's going to evolve so let's um, start off with that merchant perspective you know what's I mean, you've already started talking about the user experience and how critical payments have become mm. in the e-commerce journey. And it's absolutely fundamental now to get payments right. But perhaps we can just recap on, you know, the, the benefits from the merchant perspective, Mark. Yeah. Over I, to you. Yeah. I mean, I think it isn't new. A merchant is always driving towards, you know, more conversion, you know, avoiding abandoned shopping carts. You know, making sure that the transactions are authorized and there's no declines or soft declines or hard declines. There's challenges around, you know, PCI, false positives, tokenization, alternative forms of payment. I mean, we've mentioned all those. Those challenges have always been there. Yeah. And I think, you know, if you are a large you know, tier one merchant, you might be able to build that in-house. And they've they've struggled with that over the last, mm. you know, 10, 15 years. I think there's a, a, a large plethora of mid-market merchants that are not being served. Right. And, and they don't have the capabilities in-house. And so payment orchestration in some ways is, a, is very timely for them. And throughout my career, I've never <clears throat> failed to find uh, a merchant who hasn't put cost cost of payments acceptance at the top of their agenda. Right. That's always their starting point. You know, they're used to, you know, used to negotiating and they want to negotiate with payment providers on, on the cost. An orchestration platform can help with that because they can route the transactions according to the cost that's going to be for that acceptance. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier on about negotiating actually before you sign a contract, right? Or, or, or being able to like move volume from one provider to the, to the next and really... Strengthening your negotiating power as a merchant, right? Is that you, you can indeed, and and you know, what used to happen for for many years is merchants would have dual acquirers, right? Yeah, you know, and then they would they would use that as their negotiation tactic of how they routed the transaction to each. But I don't want to get over, you know, overdo the the cost bit because I think really with the probably the one of the biggest benefits of orchestration platforms isn't around saving costs; it's about enabling sales. So this is to making sure the customer sale goes through 
and the retailer gets paid generating, for yeah. generating yeah. more revenue. And so because the because the, the, the cost saving is a fraction of what would have been lost if the transaction had failed. Yeah. And so really orchestration platform is very much, you know, that's probably, I think the primary reason my merchants interested is that the ability for orchestration to be able to save a transaction, to try another route, to turn a decline into a positive by taking a different action. You think about some of the projects that we've worked on yeah. uh, for our clients at Edgar Dunn. Um, we're increasingly seeing payments as, as higher on the agenda. Yes. Even to the point where there's chief payment officers, yeah. you know, who are focused on payments and focusing to optimize that payment journey for consumers. And certainly, whereas perhaps you know, a decade ago it was about cost optimization, now it's uh, payments being viewed as an enabler of business growth, right? You know, uh, and it can really, particularly in that cross-border environment, is, I mean, to move on to the next question for you, you know, where, where does payment orchestration really fit? What's the sweet spot? I mean, in my view, it's sort of that cross-border environment where there are high decline rates if mm, you're mm. transacting across border and there are different local payment preference preferences. So you there's need categories. to onboard. Yeah. Yeah. So, there's categories of merchants that I think you can put into, you know, general e-commerce retail, mm. as, you know, payment orchestration is focusing on e-commerce at the moment. Travel, you know, airlines. That's you know, a good one, right? So uh, orchestration yeah. is very strong in the travel verse. Hospitality. Why do we think that is, though? Well, I, mean, I, I think we've just mentioned, They've right? got some so. challenges around travel, you know, after COVID. Mm. Their merchant acquirers are becoming a little bit nervous mm. to having one, you know, relationship with an airline, you know. So there's 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 some risk around airlines. The airlines want to spread that risk across multiple mm. acquiring relationships. Hospitality, uh, when I say hospitality, I mean hotels, right. international hotels, subscription platforms, you know, NetSpend and uh, Net, uh, Netflix, those type of subscription platforms, digital services, digital goods, marketplaces. Okay. Uh, but, what, but what merchants are increasingly doing is trying <clears throat> to drive up their acceptance rates yeah. you know, to make sure they get the highest possible acceptance rates. And there are certain types of customers and transactions where you know you know transactions will be failed that's an international you know transactions are a key part of this mm. you know so if you've got an international customer then the card issuer on that country often will be have more confidence if the transactions being presented by an acquirer they're familiar with from their region and so very much this drives then you know to the, the sectors you know place sectors like travel which has got high international you know spend mm. then the ability to be able to send a transaction to a regional acquirer rather than a domestic acquirer can very often lead to higher acceptance rates right okay so but there's another thing yeah, i think yeah. martin which is useful to talk about on this is is to do with expectations and payments it's Really, payments have become mission critical for mm. most businesses. You know, people are, are no longer paying by by, by cash. They're, you know, digital payments yep. is, uh, is the norm. Um, and really, so if a system is not working or not available, then the retailer is going to be losing sales. The customer is going to, to walk away. Mm. What orchestration platforms can do is add another level of resilience uh, or failover capability. So if there's a problem with one acquirer you know, or, 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 or one gateway or one part of the world, then the logic can automatically route the transaction to a different place. So there's this without, retry logic. Yeah, like, without, is... without any manual intervention, it's an automatic, it's failed of this, 
then try this. And this really adds an extra level of resilience in order to be able to protect a, a, a merchant's brand and to be able to enable sale. Yeah, and it's all programmatic, right, Mark, in terms of yeah, it can be in the setup, you can build the retry logic, and there's some cascading features as well. Perhaps you can just describe what they are. Yeah, I mean, I think what we've seen, you know, with the payment orchestration providers, you know, the agnostic players, they are, you know, it's generally rules-based. So it's quite a lot of business rules being put in and programmed into the platform. Yep. Some are, you know, templated and, and you know, based on on uh, standard processes. Some talk about AI, yep. artificial intelligence, learn, you know, machine learning, you know, based on previous transactions. Are they there yet? Not, probably not quite there, but I think the promise is there. Right. The expectation is going to be there. But at the moment, I think it's mainly rules-based. And, and you talked about cascading. I mean, that's it was retry, retrying to the, the original acquirer, right. but then as you know, retrying to alternative forms of payment, you know, right. alternative. Or, or for merchants got, or for merchants got, you know, two different <clears throat> merchant IDs, then sometimes they can change the, the merchant, you know, mm. that's being presenting the transaction in order to increase the chance of the payment being authorized. Right. And these platforms are obviously sound very sophisticated, right? In that sense, so there's a so well, I think that sophistication is growing. Yeah. And so yeah. really, I think that's what we're seeing is over the last couple of years is more automation, more sophistication. Yeah. You know, the logic is getting smarter. Yeah. Uh, it, it can be size of the transaction, mm. the time of the day. And so, I think that logic, a lot of retailers don't have. I was just yeah. going to pick up the thing about data. So you talked about yeah. you know, data. Yeah. And data is increasingly important you know, to all business. Data analytics in order to deliver management you know, insight. Yeah. And really, the the payment orchestration platforms, because they're new, they're new techs, they've got all the new you know, tools and you know, things, they're able to present much more granular information in graphs and in charts. It's digestible you know, for merchants to be able to understand. And it also can consolidate, they can consolidate payment information from different sources, different outlets, you know, different acquirers, you know, different gateways, different types of providers. So it, it's very much more powerful the the data reporting and analytics capabilities you know that that is available in orchestration platform and that again is another key driver why people uh, right. are expressing interest in them yeah and i suppose the architecture is by design developed to, to support this data analytics yeah because it's not retrofitted there's no legacy yeah yeah which which brings me on to this next point about building or, or buying the pros and cons of attempting to do this internally as opposed to partnering with a third party specialist so what are your thoughts on on when it makes sense to, to to attempt to build an orchestration platform internally? You know what? It's actually a little bit deja vu. Do you remember omnichannel? People talk yeah. about omnichannel, and and retailers were you know eighty percent of their traffic was in the physical store, and then as e-commerce was like yeah. maybe twenty percent. I think what we found with omnichannel, having an omnichannel strategy was really important when there was a tipping point of e-commerce, so it's like 12% of your volume or 15% of your volume was e-commerce. Right. It meant that actually consumers are actually having more of an omni-channel experience. Mm. I think that we're in a similar situation with, with payment orchestration. A lot of retailers, you know, the big retailers, the big enterprise, global, international brands, you know, the Ikeas, the, the big hotel groups, 
the Netflix, the Amazons, the H&M type of businesses mm. have, you know, build that, build that themselves. They built that yeah. magic in-house. They didn't call it into, you know, orchestration right. at the time, but they've, they've had to do that. And I think, is there a tipping point to where, you know, where they have to go on to, you know, third party providers? It, it's debatable. And I think each merchant is going to have a different business case. Right. At the beginning of the podcast, I, I mentioned the four C's, you know, yep. the choice, the cost, the complexity and the compliance. I, I think it's because of the, the complexity and the compliance requirements that many more retailers are now looking to outsource payments rather than run things in-house. You know, frankly, you know, it is expensive, it is complicated. And to run things, payments in-house effectively requires considerable investment in resources and systems uh, and expertise. So in my mind, you have to be a very big retailer right. you know, to run things you know, in-house. Otherwise, you're, you're always going to be you know, trying to keep up. Whereas with orchestration platforms, what in many ways you're doing is you're moving from an in-house to an outsource to a specialist. It's their sole job to do. It's for them to be able to keep pace, keep up to date, and be able to provide the services uh, that, that do you want. I mean, and perhaps for those enterprise merchants that you mentioned, without naming any names, do you think if they were, had the opportunity to start again, right, without, would they reconsider their choice, do you think? I mean, also, do we think that these, and we'll come on to this later, these, the, the orchestration platforms now are enterprise ready? Yeah. It's, it's interesting. If you look at the database of, of that we've built over the last three years, mm. the, the average age of these businesses is about eight or nine. Mm. I mean, these businesses aren't even teenagers. You know, if yeah, you think sure. about it, they haven't become yeah. adults. So they are, it's an evolving beast. Are they enterprise ready? I think, yeah, I mean, some of them are, but I think. But, but they're, only ready for, they're only ready for enterprise digital. Many of the enterprise yeah. merchants also still have physical outlets yeah. and other channels. And as such, while we're in this hybrid world of them supporting different you know, sales channels, the orchestration platforms are only addressing some of them. And so right. that's why it isn't the sole option you know, for enterprise yeah. retailers. And to, yeah. I mean, how flexible are these platforms in terms of being able to customize for your unique business? I mean, some enterprise merchants might think their environment is quite specific and, and, yeah. and they need to have a highly customized solution and can these third parties cater for that level of customization? Do you think are they sufficiently flexible? I think most of them could support general retail. Yeah, exactly. They kind of general. Think, it feels yeah, in exactly. In digital Maybe services, some specialization in travel, Spotify, or yeah, no. Well, travel. I think I think I have to sort of challenge you on that because I think airlines are very very unique right. in how they process transactions. Yeah. And, and how they so there, we'll come on to this. Some of the in the landscape, some yeah. providers have focused. But, on certain areas and tailor their solution for the needs of that particular area or use case, travel being one. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, not necessarily by design, but I mean, uh, just, you know, just by, you know, having that experience yeah. and learning, you know, as they go on, go on, you know, learning on the job, so to speak. But if a, but if a, uh, a, a merchant is considering moving from an, an in-house solutions, payment yeah. system, to uh, an outsourced one, you know, for instance, with orchestration platform, it's often a great opportunity for them to review their payments landscape, really what it's doing. And when they review that with an open mind, often some of the custom customization options can be taken out. 
so they can they can re remove complexity remove bespoke requirements just by rethinking what is needed now rather than look back to what did we need 10 years ago and yeah, so so it, so moving from in-house to an orchestration platform or any outsource providers provides a great opportunity to revisit the subject yeah. and work out what is needed for them to be match fit for the future you know rather than look back at how things used to run I think I think that's a good point. I, I think also I think we've also got to remind ourselves that actually we're not. It's not black and white. It's not in-house or outsource. Mm. There is a, a kind of a hybrid, there a hybrid model. There's a hybrid model where you could work with your acquirer, and that acquirer can you know a full full integration acquirer can actually offer you elements of orchestration. Mm. You know, it's like smart routing. You know, great access to alternative forms of payment. So there is a kind of a, an integrated or full stack provider uh, and, kind of sits in the middle. And that logically you know, helps us you know, remember that orchestration platforms do not only have applicability for merchants, right. but some orchestration platforms are also targeting acquirers, you know, using acquirers as their go-to-market strategy. Because in this case, then, you know, they are providing the acquirer with a new tech capability to, in order to try and help them reduce churn of people you know, who are looking to move away, attract new merchants, and also resolve some of the challenges that all acquirers have is the length of their product roadmap, how long it's going to take them to deliver. Yeah. So partnering with an orchestration platform you know, can be an option you know, for acquirers or even for some gateways as a tactical you know, solution to I address think, these key challenges. I think the legacy acquirers, you know, the traditional big bank mm. acquirers, I think, I think they are, you know, a little bit, Behind the curve, you know, the, the, the challenge def defensive move, perhaps. Yeah, they no. might partner with these payment mm. orchestration providers. We're, we're seeing a bit of that already. Oh yes, yeah, over yeah. the last yeah, the last eight year. months. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But I think you know the the challenger acquirers, you know, the new boys on the block, mm. are you know baking it into their solution. Yeah, particularly on the checkout, I think checkout is a interesting area where you know where you present the payment options, the payment uh, services to the customer on the checkout. I think there's some logic around that, you know, if you've oh, got there's a... so many payment options being offered well, exactly. there, right? So exactly. It, you want to make it confusion smart. there. So yeah. if you can present what you Precisely. the system thinks is going to be that could be another use case of yeah. the orchestration yeah. to work out how to present things. Mm -hmm. If you're a Dutch customer, you know, on a website, you know, if you don't get ideal sent yeah. to you or or you know, a French customer, carte blanche, if it doesn't, it isn't presented on the checkout. Yeah. It can be a bit of a turnoff. Totally, yeah. Okay, let's move on to the the next section. We wanted to discuss the the vendor landscape at a high level, sort of industry level, without naming any names. But if you were a merchant looking for a payment orchestration solution from a third party, you know, where where do you start? What advice would you would you give a merchant? We could you could come to us and we could talk to you about our our database, I mean, when we started, I think I mentioned at the start, there was like five or eight entries. There's 52 now. At end of, so the end landscape, of, as far as yeah, your, your, your depth of analysis, yeah. right? So obviously, you know, we've looked at the the, the market for, for a number of years now. So we're up to about 50 plus. 52. 52. Yeah, 41 agnostic. 11, you, perhaps, 11 full yeah. stack. T tell me about the agnostic versus. Yeah. So the, um, the full stack providers are the, you know, the, the traditional, the challenger acquirers that have got built 
orchestration services right. into their solution. Right. So there's about 11 of those. There's 41 agnostic providers and around the Why world. are they called agnostic? What, what? They're, they're because they're independent of the acquirer. Okay, so back to this routing idea, right? Exactly. So you can... Yeah. But one of, one of the key starting points is to work out, you know, which countries is your business in? You know, yeah. And which countries are you wanting to expand into? Because it's it's very clear, you know, to me that the orchestration platforms, again, are, diff are stronger in different parts of the world. Mm -hmm. So you need to match the capabilities of an orchestration platform with the countries and geographies that, that you're interested in. Okay. Are there any global providers? Are we saying they're all fairly regionally focused, the strengths in regional areas or well, they've got of the 50 plus already? Well, well they've got, they're aspirations, they've got as aspirations, but, but, but really... Is anybody, I mean, without naming your names, is anybody there kind of providing a global footprint? No, no. Okay. no. Probably not. I mean, yeah, it's race interesting. Well, they're, they're all chasing that race. It's a race. Yeah, exactly. it's a race. It is a race. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting. To and and, and, and they're, they're, in, they're receiving lots of you know, high investments yes. in order to help them you know, to win that race. Yeah. Land grab situation. Actually, they, they, in the guide, we actually talk about the investment. I mean, it, it was in the region. I mean, just in the, in the public domain, yeah. it was about 650 to $700 million that have been invested. And we think that's only about half of the actual investment right you know there's 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 deals that aren't in the public domain but i mean if you look at the locations of these businesses it's, it's quite interesting there's a bit of clustering around london and amsterdam mm -hmm. um you know in terms of where these and i think that's because the payment expertise is around london and amsterdam obviously us australia europe you know berlin you mm -hmm. know we found ones in Vietnam, South Africa, mm. Brazil. You know, they are popping up, you know, all over the place. And and to Mark's point earlier, you know, they are they've got ambitions to be global, but they are not global but today. But know. when you're assessing the, the different orchestration platforms, and and the first thing I'd be suggesting they look at is, you know, have they got the connections you need? I'm talking about the connections to the gateways, to the acquirers, to the alternative payment method right. providers. So what connections exist today and make sure if they're direct connections or are they going in via you know, third parties. The second one I'd be looking at is capabilities. You know, what capabilities are you needing and what do they have? Mm -hmm. And so one example of that is tokenization is a key capabilities that uh, POPs will be. Became. But some today uh, are running you know, PCI tokens, whereas others have already introduced network tokens. So that's another, you know, one of, of the, those differences. And the third thing I'd be saying is, is talk with these uh, platforms to understand their roadmap. Where are they going? Mm, yeah. How are they prioritizing things? <clears throat> because you want to make sure, you know, your roadmap is aligned to theirs. Yeah. And so... It's kind of like, what can they offer now? As yeah. in, and then what are they planning to offer next and what's in you know the, the, the later the, the other aspect we hadn't you know mentioned previously is is the orchestration platforms some are targeting at enterprise merchants but others are to the smes mm -hmm. uh, and again so there's different capabilities yeah and there's different capabilities needed for uh, again that would be a natural division of who to go and approach yeah i think i think also from a merchant perspective i always like to put the Kind of the merchant first is that i think they they need to firstly understand what they want to achieve and understand what their objectives are 
rather than just some simply you know jumping into bed with a payment orchestration platform i think i've seen too many examples of merchants that have just gone met with five orchestration platforms and actually almost reversed engineering. I com com completely agree with you, Mark. <laughs> so it's assess your current environment, your current suppliers, yeah. and then identify you know, the gaps that you have against, right. against your needs. Yep. Okay. And in terms of the, how, how they, I mean, we've touched on this already about the difference, points of differentiation. Perhaps you can just expand on that, how some of them are differentiating themselves. Is it quite, is it clear to you where that point of differentiation is between different providers? I, I think it's early days. I think mm. the market, I think I mentioned that, you know, they're, they're not even teenagers at the moment in terms of their growth, but there's no doubt there's the growth. I mean, we've estimated that I think the, 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 uh, Kager is about 26% growth until 2030. So there's a lot more traffic expected to go into these payment orchestration platforms in terms of specialization. I think. Uh, a few of them are starting to see that specialization mm. because simply because of the clients that they've actually gained and, yeah. and, and bought on board. And that, is that inevitable that obviously there'll be specialization or do you think there's scope for a generalist? Yeah, I think, I mean, because the market is so fragmented at the moment, yeah. it's got more, you know, three to, three to five years in terms of, you know, getting a little bit more mature mm. in terms of, you know, specialism. I, I, it's difficult to predict. Yeah, of course. But, but another thing, Martin, it's, it's important for a merchant really to explore one of the commercial models. I was going to come on to that. That's my next topic. So oh, okay. Kick it off. It's a really important point, but, obviously. Because so. cause the whole commercial models, you know, they differ by provider. Yeah. You know, some are providing, you know, simple fees based on transactions. You know, some are providing, you know, things to one on their success rates if they're being able to convert you know transactions you know some are taking uh, a revenue stream from acquirers yeah i mean i mean it's debatable whether any of these are actually making any money sure but uh, the point is that there's an effort but, to but, to, but, to, but to, many of them to, to but offer different flavors of pricing yeah but you're right i mean you uh, know, there's no there's no clear because it perhaps it reflects on how yeah. difficult possibly currently is to, but, to but, make but, money in this business yeah. but but many but many providers uh, are taking the you know the whole pricing strategy of sharing the value add right right mm. so if they're achieving value for the merchant you know then they're looking to take a share of of the extra value that they've delivered yeah uh, and so that's a, that's a key principle everyone's doing things slightly differently yeah. i think the i think the the market, you know, pricing will continue to evolve, you know, for for a few more years. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Even I think the examples of 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 that value add rev, rev share model. Yeah, I mean, for example, you know, increased sales. Right. You can, so you can share the, you know, the increased share sales will, will re, 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 improving yeah. the authorization rate. Exactly. Exactly. Equals greater sales. So if a, so if a, tran so if a transaction had failed with one acquirer and they've rerouted it to another acquirer and it's been successful, then they count that as a you know, success. Right. And then then they'll they'll then share revenue based on the the, the, the success of that additional you know, transaction. But okay. everyone's got a different approach, and it's worth really yeah. you know distorting, but also working out what's critical because obviously if if you're a merchant with a very high transaction value you know then that's very different to a merchant who's got a low atv mm -hmm. so it's, we've got different amount of value you know to share i think right. in the future 
I think the payment orchestration platforms are in a very strong position to be able to sell data to the merchants. Mm -hmm. You know, the actual reporting and, 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 and analytics, their customer behavior, the spending, you know, traffic, mm. that's going to be quite interesting. That's going to be, you know, there's potential for monetization there. I think the data analysis is, is currently you know, under explore. Yeah. And I think often people are talking about acceptance rates and cost optimization, but I think there's other benefits, you know, you know, for orchestration platforms. Yeah. And in terms of the actual implementation of the solution, is there some different ways of doing that? They're going about it? Are they? Yeah, I mean, the, there's sandboxes and there's, there's all sorts of, you know, try and test, you know, A-B mm. testing and stuff like that. But you you, know, you mentioned self-service. Oh, right. Okay. So the small to medium enterprises. But yeah, Are you, are you kind of best. obliged to, 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 to work with APIs or is it low code, would you say, to some extent or... Well, how easy is it to actually um, implement one of these solutions? There's, there's, a, there's a choice of integration options there. I, I think it's fair to say that you know, most of the orchestration platforms will offer services, professional mm -hmm. services to help you, you know, get live and also help you, you, know, you know, derive the full benefits. You those know, from business the rules, I think, are, are super important to get those right. And I think at the moment, I think, those business rules aren't necessarily being exposed to the merchant to, to allow them to self-serve. You know, some are at a very basic level, but the sophisticated business rules are being very, you know, held by the payment orchestration platform. Yeah. And, you know, that is, you know, being coded and, and built into the, the platform themselves. All right. So just to finish off this section before we move on to the, the wrap up, actually, is a I mean, just some final tips and advice to, to merchants in terms of engaging with the with the orchestration provider community. What's what are your what are your advice? What, what would you advise how you would go about actually making a selection? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> without without you know, <laughs> names. No, I mean, I I mean to to your point earlier, I think we touched on it. Is that I think you know a merchant, you know, don't. Don't go rushing into and, and have five or 10 meetings with, with different payment orchestration platforms mm. and then but, come away and reverse engineer into, into your business. I think you've got to start with your business requirements. What are you trying to achieve? What's the return on investments? You know, you know, is it geographic reach? Is it access to alternative forms of payment? Is it reduce your declines? You know, there's a, there's a, a whole multitude of business needs. Yeah. I think you've got to get those understood first and then engage with the... the and as part of that market, you know, it's, it's what's key for your business. You know, what are your business priorities? You know, where, where are you on things like you know, risk? You know, do you want to be running things in-house still or do you want to be outsourcing? Right. Where do you want the tokens you know, to, be, you know, to, be, to be sitting? You have to work through do, that do, and, do, do, uh, do, understand the implications. You know, yeah. Do you want to be you know, picking... You know, a single supplier to consolidate it or your business in order to be able to have one point of contact, or are you happy to work with, with multiple people? So there's different choice, yeah. cho cho choices I mean, there. And also the other thing you've got to work out is timing. Yeah. It's very often the case is, you know, what do you need to do from payment perspective for your business today? And where, where are you wanting to take that in three years time? Because really it's a, it's a journey we're on as far as orchestration is concerned. Well, at the beginning of that journey, it's got great potential, but you've got to map that to your business, your business yeah. needs and priorities and timescales. Well, one of our 
you know, merchant clients was, you know, their objective was about, you know, unified, you know, payments database, you know, where they could have a unified view of the payments. And, and I think, you know, they thought payment orchestration would give it to them. Mm. And, and I think they're not quite there. I think, I think the promise is there. Definitely. Mm. I think that's the objective, yeah. but to be able to get a unified, you know, picture of all your payments across multiple channels is not there, but that is what they are aiming to right. towards. But you've, we've heard a few times in the podcast, the number of people, you know, offering solutions, you know, orchestration solutions. We've also heard about, you know, the potential, yeah. but there's still that people are, are building their solutions out. We should recognize that obviously there's likely to be more M&A activity you know, in this space yeah. because not everyone's going to be a winner mm. and there is going to be some consolidation. We've seen a few that has dropped out of the database. And well, let's uh, move on to that sort of wrap up section where I wanted to explore the, the future of orchestration. And yeah, talk to me about the consolidation, expected consolidation. You've already observing some of that taking place, Mark. Yeah, I mean, a couple of have dropped out, a couple of, mm. of, you know, sort of stepped away from the industry. Some mm. have, you know, merged, some have been bought up by acquirers. So I think, I think that's going to continue over the next few years. Or, or by gateways even. Yeah. We talked earlier on about what's the difference between a gateway and orchestration yeah. platform. Um, and it's worth reflecting that uh, many, many gateway, payment gateways have been bought by acquirers, you know, yeah. over the last, you know, decade. Mm. That has removed you know, the, the choice of many people to have an independent you right. know, gateway. You know, so many acquirers, what I call full stack, including a gateway and acquiring you know, mm. services. So really this, this orchestration platform is reintroduces this elements of independence, agnosticity. Yeah, it's almost um, like a full circle. Yeah. It? So it's, <laughs> because there's been a tremendous amount of consolidation, like you said, Mark, over the last 10 years. So, uh, um, so it's reintroducing that level of choice. So is it a super smart gateway? It is, yeah, sometimes feels like it, 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 yeah, it's the, it's the next generation of gateway almost, right? Yeah. But so, at the moment, it's land grab. It's all about mm -hmm. land grab. And I think, I think the payment orchestration, you know, the agnostic players of which there are, you know, forty odd. I think there's going to be a little bit of consolidation. Yeah, there's going to be you know pull, pulling together in terms of some of the geographical people could come together. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Some are you know yeah. strong in North America, Latam, strong in Europe. I think there's and going to be consolidation. And can we can we spot some winners and losers in the space? Is it? What are your thoughts? And yes, it's 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 a bit like the Grand National. It's just too many horses at right. the moment. I think I think we do need to recognise if they're building out their their, their systems. You know, many providers will also need further investment rounds as well yeah. in order to be able to fulfill their, their complete vision. But, but, a... but, but I also, Martin, we've talked very much from orchestration around, you know, card payments and, and alternative payment methods. I think we'd, we'd be remiss not to also introduce the topic of open banking yeah. in here. Because, you know, those who's, you know, who studied the payment space have seen how you know, card payments and open banking, you know, bank account to account payments are on a convergence course. Right. It's just a matter of time as to, as to when that's going to hit. Um, and this is, you know, within the next five years. It's the mm. question of which year out of that five uh, and which sector you're involved in in the transaction time. And yeah, so what, what that, what's that going to mean is the orchestration platforms are now going to be able to have to accept open banking payments as well as these other ones and then enhance their logic to work out when do I send this transaction via this route or these rails 
you know, to that. So it's an it's a it's the next evolution, and, and mm. I, don't, I haven't seen people really, you know, working on this yet. But I think they're starting to think they know it's coming. Yeah, I'd say the payment orchestration platforms are in a very strong position to be able to support open banking in the future. Because at the end of the day, it's just another alternative form of payment. Sure. Yeah. And two further questions. First of all, some thoughts on the acquiring bank situation. Where do you think they, does this, does this present an opportunity for them or, 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 or is it potentially I've... a risk of being disintermediated further? Well, there's different yeah. types of acquirers and they're in different places. You've got, yeah. you've got you know, the new digital acquirers mm. and you've got the legacy yeah, who used to be bank acquirers. Yeah. And, and, you know, one group has got new tech stacks and the other one is sitting on outdated, you know, legacy technology frankly, which is causing them lots of difficulties just to maintain, let alone to uh, enhance. Yeah, I mean, the challenger the challenger acquirers out there in the markets, as you described, the, the digital players, I think they've got other problems on their on their plate. You know, they want to be able to serve, you know, the omni-channel retailers. And the legacy acquirers that are, you know, being challenged by the the other acquirers, the challenger acquirers, I think they want to be able to, you know, work with the payment orchestration platforms to be able to give them greater reach. And I guess there is an element of fear of being disintermediated, Mm. potentially, because they might, you know, be positioned one step away from the merchant. You know, you've got to remind ourselves that actually payment orchestration is only a technical solution. It's not a contractual that's a very good point, Mark. Yeah, let's recap on that, right? So it's just a technical layer, <laughs> yeah. and the merchant still has to sign a, a merchant agreement exactly. with the acquirer in the exactly. back end. And, and the orchestration platforms, you know, they're not there in terms of offering, you know, you know buy rates or anything like that, right. you know, like a payment facilitator. They're not there yet. It's not. They're not is is, is not it their aspirations to get into that situation? Mm, I don't know. I think it's because it's like a regulatory perimeter, right? So they're outside of the regulatory perimeter. Yep. Yep. They don't touch the money, but it's not a perfect. They're, ena- they're an enabler, a technology enabler, enabler really. yeah. right? Yeah, and I, I think for the for so some of them might get into that regulatory environment, or uh, unlikely. It's too early to say. Mm. I think it's too early to say. There's many more opportunities them to pursue first. I think. Yeah, and then there's um, other value added services they might. Add onto their platform fraud services. I think. Yeah, I think other types of solutions is that another just to, area. Of just growth? to come back to the, the the hybrid. Let's not forget the hybrid because of the full stack provider. Right. I think some of those acquirers have actually bought payment orchestration platforms and built it into their offering. Yeah. I think that might happen. Continue to happen over the next few years. Right. Okay, perfect. So let's wrap up with some final thoughts and advice for for merchants from both of you. Mark, what are your... From a merchant point of view, I think think tread carefully. I think understand what you're trying to achieve. It's not right for every merchant. You know, there's a, you know, if you're a, a simple business, you know, very nationalistic point of view, you've got one acquiring relationship, you might you know, operate in one currency. Most of your customers are from the domestic market. You know, payment orchestration is not going to change the world. It's just, you know, it's a kind of a, a sledgehammer to crack a nut. You know, right. it's just not there. I think it's super important to, you know, make sure you get your requirements ready and understood first mm. before, you know, jumping in with 
with meetings with payment orchestration. You have to qualify yourself almost exactly. as, a, as an, yeah. whether or not you're an appropriate, is appropriate fit for you as an exactly. And, and that may, that might be, you know, the, the segment that you're operating in, the degree of how much of your business is online, you know, as opposed to offline. So there's, 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 there's quite a, you know, you have to take it a case by case basis. But, but probably the starting point, Martin, is, is to <clears throat> assess how payments is working today for your business, working out what your needs are, educating yourselves on the opportunity of payment orchestration. Because once you've learned and you've met with some of those suppliers, then you can try and see, ah, this could deliver that. You know, these could be the benefits from that. And then that would help you determine you know, the right time to introduce it mm. and how to introduce it. Right. Perfect. And then a final word on the the guide, Mark. Yeah. It's just uh... Yeah, the guide is is taken I mean it, it it started off as a as a database. Now it's it's actually, you know, based on experience we found from all over the world merchants wanting to understand how to evaluate payment orchestration platforms. So there's a, an evaluation methodology in there. So it's a guide to how to evaluate payment orchestration. It's a lot, you know, not, you know, a lot more than that. There's a lot more information in there. So it's, I think it's a, a pretty, pretty thick content rich. I think it's like, I don't know. I, I think it's like 50 odd pages. And there's a, so, there's a free consultation offer available at the moment, right? Yep. Yeah, I mean, we. I think if you download it, you can you can book your session right. online. The two to walk through the guide and 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 understand it for your business. Yeah, uh, we've had a few engagements that way. All right, perfect. Well, I will put all the the contact details of both Mark McMurtry and Mark Beresford, as well as the guide, on the uh, show notes. But for me and for Mark and Mark. That's all today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's been great talking with you. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. To hear more interviews, please do subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your podcast platform of choice. It helps and means a lot. Also, I welcome any questions, ideas, or suggestions, so feel free to make contact and say hello. Reach out to me on LinkedIn or at edgardunn.com. You can send me a message there, or you can email me on martin.coderish at edgardunn.com. I look forward to hearing from you and I will see you next time.